Hello and welcome to Forces Sport with me, Kath Brazier and Julian Evans. This week we're talking to Laura Ellis, the Army Netball Manager, about the creation and success of a men's team. The volume was there, the, the, the need was there. We had our inter-mixed unit competition last year. We had over 50 men uh, and why would we not? I mean, Jules, it seems obvious, but when I was growing up, and I know you've said the same, boys were laughed at for playing netball. Um, even when I played in the mixed leagues in London a few years ago, there were grown men who were still being teased for playing a girls' game. But I've always said, and I've said to you, haven't I, that what an incredibly fast and physical game it is. So it's 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 really great news. It's being embraced by men across across the military and across the across the country. I think the sport offers plenty especially in off-season of maybe another sport. So it, it can tie in for conditioning. It's that, as you say, working across really the court, ha- hand-eye yeah. coordination. So it's definitely something that should be looked at. It shouldn't be dismissed. Obviously, when I was a boy in the girls' school growing up, um, I, was, I, was forced to, I was forced to play in it. No, in, in certain PE sessions, you were forced, not forced, encouraged <laughs> encouraged that's a better word to to play netball so yeah. it, i mean it's not unheard of but yeah of, of course it, it's sort of been tradition that you know eventually you sort of go off to do one sport and netball was always a girl's sport but that's not the case well i think the best advert of how well trained and managed army netball is and that's a massive credit to laura ellis is that one of the army players dave sunaki has um he's only been playing for eight months and he's now been selected to play for england men he has, as I said, been exponential in his growth in the sport, but that's not just because of the passion that he's got on the court, it's everything he does off the court. He's put so much work in in the gym to keep himself physically fit, but he also has been to his local league and he's been volunteering at a local league to do um, scoring and just watching netball as much as he can, just to immerse himself in it to understand the game, because whilst he's got the natural talent, um, the attributes to be a great netballer, it's not knowing, not having the experience behind him is um, where he's put that work in himself. And Jules, I know that you managed to have a little chat with Dave and is he someone that will definitely, you know, hopefully get on as a guest in, in future. Um, how, so what did, what did he say about his netball ambitions um, and how, sort of how he got into the sport as well? Well, his, back, his background is rugby, rugby union, yeah. uh, rugby league and volleyball. So, that, you know, those three sports combined apart from the tackling, almost come together to make an excellent netball player. So it's the understanding of the rules, uh, the little intricacies that you need to, to be a netball player that um, are holding him, not holding him back, but are, are the things that he needs to work on. But he's like a sponge. He's always asking questions mm. of experienced netball players, the likes of Dee Bolokoro, who mm-hmm. of course plays for the army in Fiji. Uh, but he, he's a player that's going to go places. And I think that... England men have got an, uh, a little a little fixture coming up against Wales women just to test ah. them. So uh, yeah, that'll be coming up. But yes, we do have Dave in the in the pipeline, as it were, and we shall be hearing from him very very soon. Excellent. Well, yeah, do keep an eye on forces.net for that report coming up in the next couple of weeks. And of course, like I said, we'll we'll follow Dave's career closely. And um, don't be surprised, of course, from Laura um, that there'll be more to come because she seems to have fingers in all pies, so to speak. Um, looking back at the forces sport from last week, Jules, I uh, had a little trip up to the outskirts of Manchester, um, Twist Lane in Lee. And it's where the UK Armed Forces men um, went into the final game of the President's Cup. They were unbeaten with two wins against GB police and GB teachers. They already had those under their belts, but their toughest opposition was always going to come from England universities. Despite a hard-fought contest, they couldn't make it a clean sweep 
coming up short against a young and determined student side and they lost 26 points to 14. The students though needed to win by a far greater margin to get their hands on the silverware. So the UK and Forces Men's Rugby League in the end they won overall on points difference and stand-in captain Jordan Kerman was philosophical in defeat but pleased with the second consecutive President's Cup win. If you look at the series, it's like a, it's a three-game series, so we've uh, we've got the better points difference. So there's three teams that end up with four points. It's it's probably the toughest Presidents Cup I've played in. Uh, I've done about eight of them now, and this is like it's been a really really tight one. But like I say, we lost lost tonight. Um, like it, was, it was a bit of a frustrating game for us. To be fair, we we, we think we think we're the better team. To be fair, a few things didn't go our way, but um, yeah, got got the uh, the outcome that we wanted and, and won the Presidents Cup for a second time in a row. Generally, are the students your toughest opponents, or does it sort of change every year? Yeah, definitely. The students and us are always it's always a good matchup. You kind of got our experience and um, and their physicality against their sort of youthful energy. I'd say <laughs> um, so. It's normally a good match. The normally there's normally only a few points in it each side. Like tonight again, there's only a few points in it. A um, few things didn't go our way, like we said, but, but we'll build on it and like say we're happy with the overall result. Um, Jordan Kerman, I always. Um I know you know who he is, Jules, but I always mm. refer to him as the man of the tattoos because he is—he's got a story for every tattoo that he's got on his body. And I um, had the pleasure of um, talking to him about it in 2017 when they went out to the. There was a festival of rugby league um, out in Australia, and I followed the UK Armed Forces team out there. Followed, <laughs> and um, and he spoke to me about Stalked. his tattoos, and Stalked. he just yeah, he keeps adding and has a different story for each of them. So it's well, I'm sure you incredible. compared notes with your with your stories <laughs> on, on your <laughs> heavily heavily painted body. Not um, not very um, heavily painted. Just the one for uh, Kath Brazier. But, but what um, a story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for another time, uh, Scotland into services in rugby union. So in the other code over the board in Scotland, the British Army won the 2022 into services Scotland rugby union title. They beat the Royal Air Force in the championship deciding match by 24 points to five. An earlier win over their bitter rivals in the Royal Navy set them up for their triumph. Now, remind, of course, that this was an inside tournament, um, but still 15 aside. And our reporter, Dave Sivils McCann, spoke to the winning captain, number eight. <laughs> I'm, I knew I'd get this wrong. Um, play number eight, Jockati Madegi, better known as Jock. I think uh, everyone was excited to today's game. Yeah, it's been building up for uh, some months now. And then uh, today just shows uh, whatever we've been, the mistakes we've been uh, picked on the last few games, we worked on it and we just stay on whatever we've uh, worked on this week and it shows on the ground. But it was a uh, two good team we played. I think uh, we just, uh, our preparation was uh, up there for today's game. All right. What did you make of the, um, the, uh, the opposition? Did they, were you quite surprised by just how competitive it was today or were you expecting that? Uh, no, we were expecting it and uh, we told the guys we just leave it for the first five minutes, see how it uh, rolls, and then we'll uh, start uh, up our game from there. But it just shows, uh, the, uh, I think the discipline comes in because the guys were quite excited and were eager to go for the ball. That's when uh, we got picked up a lot. Where do you think you got it right today? Where do you think you had the advantage that, that made it count today? After a while, we go back to our game plan. And then uh, <clears throat> from our game plan, it just shows because uh, we stick to it. And uh, the, the back line just uh, finish it off, which uh, shows three, yeah. Joka Tamadegi. There you go.
Why did they why did they play it indoors just out of interest? I know the principality in Wales sometimes has a roof, but why did they play this tournament indoors? That's not a question I know the answer oh, okay. to. I think maybe it makes it um I mean they've played obviously they've played the inter-services in Scotland before. Has it always been indoors? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. If you know, if David Sillows McCann know. knows, David, yes. get in touch. Let us know. Why is why is that competition indoors? Email is us the weather that bad in Scotland? Right. This I was going to say that, but I thought that was a bit stereotypical. Is it a midge infestation that <laughs> everybody has to scurry inside? Because I know what they're like up there. Maybe this they're time just of year. maybe they're just giving it um, something Little different. Biters. So it's it's a, it so makes it a unique tournament in that way. What I it? what I did see though were pictures of the Calcutta Cup. They were mm. on display there, pitch wow. side. Yeah, amazing. Dear old Ray Knighton had a go on had a go lifting that. Hopefully he didn't do a Dean Richards and and drop it. Dent it. Yeah, crikey. <laughs> Can you imagine the insurance through the roof? Oh, well, literally through the roof because it's got it's got one up there. Well, well done to Ray Knighton, of course, and Mark McKenzie, who was on the microphone with John up in um, in Scotland. And thanks to Dave as well for for normally it's a tournament that he covers by himself. And of course, we covered it live this year. So um, probably the start of seeing of things to come. This is this, this, this for this Thank you for listening. I'm Kath Brazier and I'm here with Julian Evans. Now, Army Netball not only have a men's team, one of their players, as we mentioned earlier, has been selected to play for England. Dave Sunaki has only been playing for eight months, but he's been guided and supported by Army Netball's team manager, Laura Ellis. Her vision in the sport has created many pathways and opportunities for all her players, women, men and the mixed team alike. She talks to us about her drive, her ambitions and her genuine passion for netball and everyone involved in it. We obviously started the men back end of last year, September last year, and that's been really successful all season. We've had some great games. Uh, and then this year we're taking a mixed team and a ladies team on an overseas visit at the end of the year. And in preparation for that, we're going to go to the national uh, national competition 20 in August. Uh, and we've got a few friendlies before that. Of all the places to start, the military is not an obvious place. I would have thought that men's netball would be taking off but that's not the case it's really popular now yeah it's got it's been pretty exponential uh, from when it started in september last year to where we are now you've got to have a real passion i know you're involved with many sports and we'll we'll move on to those as well but if we concentrate on netball at the moment you've got to have a real passion to a play in the military to then go into coaching and go into the some management side that you're in now to then build onto your workload or you know to create a mixed team and a men's team as well is that what it is your passion for netball your love for the game and just your sort of you're wanting to sort of push it forward in whatever way you can yeah 100% that's what it is netball has always been my passion I do play a number of sports but netball has always been my number one sport I remember watching you banging in the goals for the army in many an inter-services tournament so to go from that to coaching was that an obvious step for you to retire from playing and then pick up the coaching mantle? So I've been coaching for my civvy team for a number of years, um, so I play a coach for them. Uh, so it's been a, k- a kind of smoothish transition uh, into that role. But what a, what was the appeal to, to start up a men's team in the army? The volume was there, the, the, the need was there. We had our inter-mixed unit competition last year, we had over 50 men, uh, and why would we not? <laughs> But where does the love come from? Does it come from being a youngster playing netball as well and sort of just growing up in the game? So yeah, I played at school, I got selected for county trials, I played county netball all the way through school um, and then I joined the army at 16 and kept going. 
it's quite young to start. That's quite young to, 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 to. But did you think when I joined the army at 16, I'll still be able to play netball? No, not at all. I just thought that was it. I'll just concentrate on being in the army. But eventually I found netball in the army. So how long did that take from joining up and think, because you do your, your phase one, phase two training. How long did the... Uh, so I didn't start playing netball for about six years after I joined. So it's quite a golf in, in time. But in that period, you'd kept yourself fit, obviously, for, for being a soldier. Yeah. But keeping yourself netball fit? No. <laughs> so was it a real sort of, you know, bump of reality when you went so, for the trials? So it was. I went for the trials and I didn't get in the first year, like a number of people don't, um, because we haven't been playing club netball. Um, I was told to go away, plug, play club netball and come back the next year, which is what I did uh, and got in the next year. I mean, how does that sort of shape your life? Like netball obviously is shaping your life in one way. The military basically does shape your life. You know, is it something that you're, you're thankful for every day? Uh, every single day that I'm in uniform that uh, I get to play netball is, or any sport, I'm thankful. The thing with the sports that, that, that we cover is that it needs somebody to drive it. And with netball, you seem to bring an energy with you that's taking the sport to, to new places. I'm thinking of the men's team. I'm thinking of, of one of your players who's, who's received an England call-up. So tell us about that. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic news. I was so pleased for him. Um, he showed obviously natural talent when we started in September and he's just grown and grown and grown. It's, it's Dave, it's Dave, just call me Dave. <laughs> so who, who's the young soldier that's... that's yeah, so uh, Lance Bombardier, uh, Dave Sanaki, um, from 3-2 Regiment Royal Artillery down in Lark Hill. He has, as I said, been exponential in his growth in the sport, but that's not just because of the passion that he's got on the court, it's everything he does off the court. He's put so much work in in the gym to keep himself physically fit but he also has been to his local league and he's been volunteering at the local league to do um, scoring and just watching netball as much as he can just to immerse himself in it to understand the game because whilst he's got the natural talent um, the attributes to be a great netballer, it's not knowing, not having the experience behind him is um, where he's put that work in himself. He might be the trailblazer, he might be the first, but I know with your astute eye on you that you'll have seen that, that there are plenty of others that could follow. There, there are definitely others that can follow, yes, I am. Very sure of that. <laughs> so where do you see the men's game going in the military? There's no inter-services for the men yet. Not yet, no. Um, I think the, the next step will be a mixed inter-services and then a men, um, just because of the volume of men that um, the other two services have or don't have compared to us. Um, so we'll, it will it, be baby steps, but, we'll, but the aspiration is that we will get there. Does the game, I'm a netballer, recreational, very bog standard, but it's a nice run around on a Monday night. Um, so I don't think I can even call myself a netball. That's just what it says on your tag. <laughs> Very bog standard, can run around on a Monday night. Just That's nothing about netball. That's why they get me in. Yeah, yeah, run around, don't catch the ball. But, um, you know, there are some, some sports that the rules change depending on when you've got a, a men's team and a women's team. Um, I have played a bit of mixed netball as well. There's the rules of, um, you know, just having one man in each third. But tell us, as a netballer, does the men's game differ at all, the way you're coaching it, or what you're seeing of it? Is it, I mean, I sort of feel there are attributes that some men have that maybe may be able to jump higher and stuff like that, but does it really change that much um, to watch? It, it does change. It doesn't change that much. It's still netball. All the rules are still the same, but you just have to be, you have to change, adapt the way that you play. So if men are playing against women, it's like a full men's team versus a full ladies team. The ladies team have to adapt because, because of that elevation that they can get. Um, and because of the strength that they have, so you, you just have to be smarter and change the way that you play. Not drastically, but just slight tweak. And when you play mixed, so mixed on mixed, again, 
it depends on where you use those men if you use them because um, as you said you can only have one in each third it depends on where you use your strength um, so it, it's very much more tactical playing mixed at the coaching mixed um, than it is coaching ladies because most ladies most there's obviously some who are very extreme but most ladies are kind of very similar than the, than the person that they're on court together but when you've got men and mixed it can be the height difference can be quite vast I was going to say do you love that that challenge I'm just watching um, the mixed teams playing today and the sort of the speed on the ball of the men that just being like just just that slightly extra elevation do you i, I imagine you're sitting there sideline because this is amazing it's like great see that, yeah see it, that. it really yeah. is good uh, and there's so much potential in that group um and there's a few other people who unfortunately can't be here because they're on operations but the group that we have there's about 30 men um who have committed and have been to at least one session um, this year um, there's two who are here for their for three who are there, here for their first time this um, today, and there's some really great potential. I'm very excited. Well, I know we've been bigging up the boys, <laughs> but many of the women have, have also excelled. And in recent years, the army have been blessed to have a number of internationals. I'm thinking of Dee Bolokoro with Fiji and Fern Davis, who's now left the army, but you know represented Wales as well. So. You being around those players, they must bring something to the overall, not just the army netball setup, but the military as well. Yeah, definitely. And we've got um, we've just picked up another um, England mixed ladies player who's still in training at the moment. Um, so when she finishes training, she'll be coming. You'll, that big arm of yours will <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll drag her in. <laughs> yes. And she, um, so we obviously can't have them when they're in phase two training, but as soon as she's finished, um, then she'll be joining the squad. Dee, of course, has been playing Super League. So what's it like having that standard of player in the setup for, for, for a coach? It, it's great having that standard of player. It is, it is slightly harder for the, hard for the player to adjust to the levels that we're playing at. So from Dee playing with Super, uh, Super League on a Monday night and then coming and playing it mixed into the unit on Wednesday, that gulf of um, the difference of standard of play is you've just got to be able to adapt, which she does, you know, excellently, you know, as does Dave. Dave was training with the Knights uh, and then coming to play in mixed into units. The, the, the golf is, is very big, but you just have to be able to adapt to that level of play. And what are your feelers like in terms of, you know, getting, in this case, Dave and, and um, also the link-ups, because we see so much netball now on TV. The Commonwealth Games has done it the world of good in terms of um, the women's game and stuff like that. You as a manager and sort of you, an ex-player in that sense, what are your feelers like? Because we know that the military sort of like to have fingers in all pies, you know, but do you, do you enjoy that side of it? The sort of making sure that Dave's got the contacts and creating those pathways for people to go yeah, into those? Yeah, it's big really games. good. We're really thankful for the people um, in those kind of areas. So we've obviously got... Uh, the knights um, who are where, where Dave trains, and they were the first team that we the men never played. Um, and since then, we've just had a, such a great connection. They've always been really supportive. We went and watched them play, as in the army men went and watched them play when they played um, in a tournament with the ladies. And it's just a really great connection. And for them to for the armor men to see what good looks like for them for that level um, is, was really good. And you forged a strong relationship with with England women's netball as well. I know that Tracy Neville has, has been down and, and done stuff either with with UCAF or, or with the army. So how does that relationship help military netball? So it's kind of a quick bro We help with recruiting. Um, and so, you know, recruiting from the female kind of uh, cohort. So that's, we do some work for them. And obviously they bring their expertise to our training sessions to, um, to, help, to help. So yeah, it's really good. Uh, Jules, what kind of player was Laura? Because she's clearly very good at 
her managerial role and coaching role, but you obviously saw her play a lot for the army. Yeah, she. I, no, I don't know the area, but she commanded the the space around the goal, and mm-hmm. she would very rarely miss. So she was, you know, accurate and and on point all the time. Very encouraging, uh, and you could see her gently go from being a player into coaching. Mm. And she's somebody that knows exactly what she wants, and um, yeah. and it seems to be a, a good point for not just the army but for UK armed forces netball an interesting thing is that they've got a, a tour coming up haven't they to north america yeah so she um if you if you want to hear more from laura she um we will be putting out the youtube video of course of the full video and that's on the bfbs um the full interview that's on the bfbs sports show youtube channel um and you'll learn from laurel a little bit more about um sort of the, the connections she's made and the pathway she's making into Super League netball, um, England netball that she started to talk about there and the, and the relationships there. And of, co- of course now she's done the same for the mixed team and the men's team. Now this tour is, um, so she was talking about the, the French team are starting to kind of, um, because you, you said of course that netball has been huge in the Commonwealth Games now, especially it's really sort of brought it to the forefront. But to be an Olympic sport, netball needs to be played by both sexes Mm. and you need at least, I think, 24 competing nations. So it sounds like Laura's very much pushing for other countries and they're going over to play the Canadian national team, isn't it? First Um, first up, they're going to Vegas, not to play on the slot machines, but to (laughs) play a mixed mixed netball tournament, which is huge. You know, if you can get America, the sleeping giant of many sports, Mm. rugby union being one, netball perhaps being another, if you can get America up and running with a netball league, that'd be huge for the sport. And then it starts to move its way ever closer to being included in the Olympic uh, Olympic setup, the Olympic yeah. Games, so it, it, it has a chance of one day becoming an Olympic sport as well. I don't know how much a Super League netball player gets paid. Do they get paid a lot of money? Don't oh, know. So I know, don't know. Com- combining uh, perhaps a career in the military, pay yeah. the bills, and then excellent PR recruiting, as many of our sports people are. Well, that's to, the to thing. We we know it's a proven pathway that's worked in other sports. So yes, it, it, you know we've seen it work with the women's netball. And, you know, hopefully for the same for the mixed. Um, great to see mixed netball up there as well. Well, because, I was going to um, say, if you're a guy, don't be shy. Set up <laughs> an inter, inter-unit mixed netball league. It's a very sociable sport, as Kath's tattoos will testify. <laughs> so give it a go and the see what one. happens. Yeah, they, well, nobody knows about those. <laughs> and well, you never um, know what might happen. Jules, um, I'd, how was your sporting weekend? Um, don't, don't, were, were you don't, behind don't, the sofa uh, again? Don't want, to, don't want to talk about it, really. Yeah, no, unfortunately, the, people aren't really talking about the uh, football from the Champions League well, final. The match That's very upsetting. The match itself was a little dull mm. um, because Real Madrid did exactly what they had to do. Sit back, let Liverpool play all the pretty football, hit them on the counter-attack, 1-0, jobs are good. And because, unfortunately, the one area that Liverpool have struggled with this this season is is trying to is trying to break down teams who defend so well and mm. are organised. Uh, we saw it against Spurs, saw it against Chelsea, and now we've seen it against Real Madrid. So um, they couldn't get the result on the pitch, and of course the result has been compounded by stories that we've been hearing uh, for the fans who went over to make make the yeah, trip. Yeah, I mean, to Paris. It, from what I'm hearing, um, you know, it it wasn't 
doesn't seem to have been any fan's fault and there was sort of there are questions over how the police handled it and UEFA and the French government are saying it's definitely it was false tickets or fake tickets and um and I know that there will be one or two issues with that but um from what I'm hearing at the moment Liverpool fans were calm and you know it was delayed because the 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 logistics of getting people in just wasn't there um which is amazing for a, a stadium as is the Stade de France because they're so good at putting on those big shows you know they do it for rugby all the time and um yeah it's upsetting that such a an amazing occasion was overshadowed but of course Liverpool have done their um parade with two out of the four trophies that they could have won so um well, yeah, I mean, you've got to win a tournament. <laughs> yeah. What's the point in entering? Two out four's if, not bad, Jules, I think. What's the point in entering a competition if you're not going to at least have a go at winning it? Absolutely. Now, I think, you know, in terms of football, the most expensive game in football also happened over the weekend, and that was the championship not, not, playoff. Yeah, not, not the tickets, the prize, <laughs> isn't it? The prize, uh, yeah. Nottingham Forest partying like it's 1999, Jules. They have I, not been in yeah. the Premier League for 23 years. I can't, I can't get over that. Listen, they've been masterminded by um, their boss, Steve Cooper, who's really turned things around since he took over from the sacked Chris Hooten in September last year. But it was an own goal from um, Huddersfield Town that actually put Notts Forest through. And not a great weekend if you're a Huddersfield local because they also were in the Rugby League Challenge Cup mm. final, which was held at Wembley, and they were beaten in the dying minutes of the game um, by yeah. Wigan Warriors, who, of course, have won 20, I think, of the Challenge Cups, and Huddersfield have never won it. No. But um, they were ahead until the final score of the game from Wigan, um, which they won 16-14. So not not a great weekend if you're from Huddersfield. No, and I think Huddersfield Town fans can be a little bit aggrieved with the VAR because it's the first time that a championship playoffs ever had the VAR assistance and some of some people questioning the assistance of VAR with a mm. few decisions going against them. So no Uddersfield in the Premier League next year and they'll have to try again when it comes to the Challenge Cup in Rugby League. Absolutely. Um, Rugby Union, European final. Again, Leinster were ahead right until the dying minutes of the game. And then La Rochelle, I think, rightly, because um, they had most of the possession of the game and most of the forward movement. But um, they went over for a try in the 79th minute and they won that 24-21. Elsewhere, Jules, the London Well, sevens. I was going to say, with La Rochelle, when you were mm. learning French at school, <laughs> did you have the series of books called Tricolore? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's all in La Rochelle. Had, that's all in La Rochelle. <laughs> and now I've been there. I went there with my family a few years ago. So I, of course you I did. got to live the dream of the Tricolore dream. Probably own half the town. <laughs> It's not true. There were some great mussels there, I can tell you that. They have, um, not mussels, oyster farms. Oh. That was really nice for oysters. Um, Trayvon? Should should you want to go that far for oysters. Um, but yeah, the London Sevens Jewels, a couple of army players involved in that, if you could um, tell us who they are. Uh, Courtney Perslove uh, from, from the Army Women. She was involved in the women, so she played a few fixtures in that. This is all part of the build-up to the Commonwealth Games, so giving the England selectors a little eye on on who um, could feature for England at the Commonwealth Games in June, July? July, isn't it? And uh, uh, yeah. and, and from one Yorks, uh, Pete Ratukadru. Peter Ratukadru. Um, <laughs> He's a feature, so. It Well, yes, twice, in fact. Uh, so he was involved with Fiji. I'm trying to find out. I didn't know anything about Pete playing. So yeah. trying to find out a bit more about that. So okay. I'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, like you say, um, something we'll follow up on going into the Commonwealth Games. Um, very sad news from the horse racing world. Lester Piggott, real unique character. It's got one of those faces that you'll never forget. Um, he's died at the age of um, 86. Do you know he won his... a record nine, nine what, times? Yeah, the first time he, he won a race, he was 12. 
yeah. professional rate at 12 years of age. I mean, yeah. when I was cleaning chimneys uh, at 11, I thought that was harsh. <laughs> but to win a horse race at 12, I thought, wow, that's going some. Yeah, they called him um, Longfellow because he was five foot Don't eight. Don't want to know. Is, oh, I see. Yes. quite a... Quite um, tall for a flat race rider, apparently. So the mm. things you learn on um, someone's desk. But um, all the sort of all thoughts are out going out to his family and friends at this time. Um, French Open quarterfinal, Nadal versus Djokovic. Odd to see them facing each other at quite an early stage in um, French Open. Nadal sort of typically coming through a five-set thriller to get there. Um, and cricket, Jules, the um, Laws Test gets underway this week. Um, We'll be there for day one. I'm very excited to see you there in your red, white and blue, I hope, for uh, Jubilee weekend. Maybe. Um, what are you hoping for from cricket? Are you... Um... What am I hoping? I'm hoping are for you, England Are you feeling England positive? Win. Yeah, po- feeling positive against New Zealand. Well, when there are so many England bowlers out at the moment. I feel like <laughs> I should start turning my arm over now. I might might get the call up from well, young Brendan. From young Brendan, um, it'll be good actually. You know, it'd be nice to see that that combination of Stokes and Brendan McCullum and see how they get on over the summer. Um, just looking ahead for forces sport uh, in rugby league, the UK forces women will be taking um, well, they'll be taking on England universities this week at Lee Miners Rangers. Um, they already beat the. GB teachers 34-10. So if they go on to beat um, England universities, then we will have two President's Cups in UK Armed Forces Rugby League. But that's all we've got time for this week. There are plenty of ways for you to revisit all the Forces Sport podcasts at bfbs.com slash podcasts or on Apple, Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcasts. As we mentioned earlier, you can always visit theforces.net website for any updates and action and also the bfbs sports show youtube channel has lots of highlights and any previous chats we've had with our amazing sportsmen and women and do keep um up to date across the bfbs sport and forces news across twitter instagram and facebook that's it from me and jules for another week please let us know if there's anyone you'd like to feature or anything you'd like to feature on the podcast do email us at forces sport at bfbs.com thank you jules for another week we'll see you soon